Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Welcome to episode 16. The title of this episode is, What Do You Mean by Tithing? And I hope to inspire you to live a lifestyle of generosity as an act of worship. Listen in and learn how a garage sale led to a lifelong practice of generosity. When I was a little boy, probably about nine or ten years old, our family had a garage sale. I sold some of my toys and things because I was wanting to buy a set of walkie-talkies. The walkie-talkies I wanted were $29.95 in the good old Sears catalog, which was the Amazon of the 60s. On Saturday, at the end of the sale, my share of the proceeds was $28.60, which was close enough to give me hope that those walkie-talkies would soon be mine. But when I was getting ready for church on Sunday morning, my mom told me to remember to pay tithes on my earnings. Now, I've never been really good at math, but 10% is pretty easy to figure. $2.86 was a huge chunk of my walkie-talkie fund, and suddenly my dreams of secret missions and wireless communication seemed quite distant. My mom must have seen the despair on my face. She told me that if I was faithful to pay my tithe, that God would bless me four times over. Well, my face brightened at this news, because four times $2.86 is, well, it's enough to get the walkie-talkies and pay the tax and postage. So I gladly put my $2.86 in a giving envelope and put it in the offering that morning and waited for my fourfold blessing. Well, as you can guess, the $11.44, which is $2.86 times 4, and yes, I had to use a calculator because I can't do math in my head. Well, it never showed up. And being a boy that still had more than $25 in my pocket, which was the most I'd ever had to that point, I spent it on other things. However, the principle that my mom taught me to honor God with the tithe was a better lesson than any walkie-talkies could have ever provided. I honestly believe that honoring God with the tithe is a reverent act of worship that connects the believer to God in an intimate and powerful way like no other act of worship can. So in this episode, I want to unpack the misunderstood and sometimes misused principle with the hope that I can encourage you to find the blessing that is yours by honoring God with your tithe. Well, what exactly is tithing? Well, in its most simple definition, the tithe is a tenth of what you produce, given to the church as an act of worship to God. This principle of honoring a, a king or a person of influence with a percentage of income is well established throughout history in both the religious and the secular record. Today, I'm going to stick to what I understand that the Bible has to say about tithing. The first mention of tithing happens really early in the Bible. Abram, who was the first of the patriarchs, 
had gone on a rescue mission to retrieve his nephew who had been taken captive by a band of invaders. The mission was very successful, and Abram returned with not only his nephew and his nephew's family, but also all of the goods that the invaders had. When he got home, a priest came out to bless him, and Abram gave the priest 10%, or a tithe, of what he had captured. Many years later, after the Israelites had been delivered from their time of bondage in Egypt, God gave Moses the law. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast since it started, you are familiar with the Ten Commandments, which make up the framework of the law. We can think of the Ten Commandments like we think of a constitution, which spells out what must be done. The commandments, like a constitution, then has bylaws that tell how we are to do what must be done. The Old Testament book of Leviticus explains how they were to live by the Ten Commandments. In chapter 27, it lays out the requirements of the tithe. Since they didn't have a currency, or Venmo, it describes how they would give their cattle or crops, which were the measure of wealth used at the time. This tithe went to the place of worship and was used for the support of the facility and the priests. And as I talked about in my study of the Ten Commandments, the law was not just put into place to control the people's actions. Rather, by living according to the commandments and giving honor to God by the way they lived for Him and the way they acted toward the people around them, God promised to protect and bless them throughout the ups and downs and the successes and disappointments of life. The last book of the Old Testament, named after a prophet named Malachi, was a word to God's people who had drifted away from honoring God, and God spoke through Malachi to remind them of the blessings that are promised to those who put God first in every part of their life. In chapter 3, beginning with verse 6, the Lord speaks through Malachi and says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Put, try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So God is not saying that they should pay their tithes so they can be in good standing as members of God's club. No, he's saying that they are his people, and he's not punishing them for their disobedience. 
Instead, they need to realize that their disobedience has caused them to experience exactly what was promised to them if they failed to live by God's commands. In the book of Deuteronomy, there are blessings and curses spelled out as consequences of following or not following His commands. But God is always working to reconcile us to Him. He's not mad at us, and He's not happy when things go south for us when we turn away from Him. But remember what He said in the scripture I just read? He said, Ever since the days of your ancestors you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them, Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So the principle of the tithe is not a rule to get us preferred seating in the heavenly bus ride, nor is it like paying protection money to a mafia boss to keep him from whacking us out. Instead, it is right in line with all of God's commands. Put him first, acknowledge him as the Lord of our life, because that is the way to find peace in times of trouble, provision for every situation, and an approach to life that brings order to chaos. You will notice that I did not say that tithing was a way to get rich. I did not say it was a wise investment. I didn't promise that if you give to a church or ministry, you'll get unexpected money in the mail. I didn't say those things because I can't find them in the Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible has a lot to say about giving and generosity and the promise of blessing for those who give generously. For instance, in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, "'Give, and you will receive.'" Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, if you take this verse by itself, it looks like a prosperity formula. Give some, get back more. But if you read this verse in context... Jesus is challenging his followers to a lifestyle of generosity that takes on many forms, giving blessings in exchange for curses. If someone gives you a slap in the face, offer the other side of your face. If someone cheats you, let them get away with it. Give people who don't like you loans without expecting to be repaid. Really challenging things to consider. Never in this teaching does Jesus promise to make us rich if we give big offerings. What he does promise is really much greater. Jesus says, Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So the message is that we don't give to get. We give because we are grateful for what our Heavenly Father has given for us. It is an act of grateful worship for the love and provision that God's love gives us every day. In episode 12 of this podcast, the one about the greatest commandment, we learned that love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor in the way you want to be loved, means that the way that we treat people is the way we treat God. 
So when we bless others by giving of what we have been blessed with, it is seen as an act of worship to God. He will make sure that we always have something to give. You know that when someone gives a gift to someone you love, it makes you happy. You appreciate the person who helped bring joy to the one you love. And in the same way, when we give, whoever benefits from the gift is someone who God loves. And he appreciates that we have done something that brings joy to the one that he loves. You will often hear in church the saying, you can't outgive God, and that saying is true. God owns everything. He doesn't need our money. He wants us to experience the joy of giving. You will find that the blessing of living the generous life far exceeds the sacrifice of giving. Occasionally, I will have someone say to me that the principle of the tithe is an Old Testament law principle. They point out that when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the requirements of the law, and we are no longer bound to this tithe. And they are correct. But that does not mean that God has not required generosity of us. Actually, as followers of Christ, much more than the tithe is required of us. He wants us to depend on Him to provide what we need. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, starting with verse 27, Jesus says, Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. The lesson that my mom taught me when I was a little boy is one that has stayed with me my entire life. Carol and I have honored God with the tithe as a starting point in our giving our entire married life. We have practiced generosity beyond the tithe, and God has blessed our lives in so many ways. And I'm not bragging here. I'm just reporting our experience of making everything that we have, our time, our abilities, and yes, our money, available for God to use when and how He sees fit, it has resulted in blessings that far exceed what we have given. Oh, not a bank balance with lots of commas, but a life that I wouldn't trade with anyone. Let me encourage you to begin practicing a lifestyle of generosity as an act of worship to God. My thought is that the tithe is a good place to start. And I promise you will never regret it. 
Thanks for listening. If you have comments or questions, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or send me an email at rbwhitlow at me.com. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.